This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with Trip and B, who's a true hybrid of the platform, football, baseball, and we talked about everything. There was the score matrix update, which was obviously huge. Football is back, the transfer mark stuff, and some of your questions. Make sure if you're listening on podcasts, you subscribe and leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe as well. Enjoy the episode. I'm joined today by Daniel, a.k.a. Trip and B, Danny Brams, Shotgun Willie. What's happening? What's up, John? Uh, honored to be here. I'm not, not much has happened. I'm here to talk some so rare football side and, and MLB side. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to speak about. We've loads of different things that have kind of happened. It feels like I've missed a week because obviously I spoke to Nicholas last week, which was talking about kind of everything. Um, but nothing in particular. And there's a few things that have changed. There was the big score matrix change we're going to get to. Football's back, baby. Um, the transfer marked, transfer marked, I suppose you say. You don't say transfer market, transfer marked. That yeah, thing. yeah, you know, you just insert some vowel, vowels uh, telepathically there that they, they've chosen yeah, not to put yeah, an yeah. official name. Yeah, something like that. And then we'll see where we go. I'm sure we'll have no trouble, but we met each other in Orlando. Um, yeah. That was a while ago. That was what three months ago now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's it. Time flies, but man, what a time that was! I, I still, that's going to be one of the highlights of my year when I look back in December. You know, I'm going to think, man, yeah. go all the way back to to that awesome time in Orlando. It was great meeting you. It was great meeting a dozen other so rare managers and going to a match and just talking the game. I think a lot of people have commented on. I don't need to repeat every single thing that was said, but. And I know you got the meetup in London coming up very soon uh, as yeah. well that you're looking forward to. So it's just. That that instant connection, it, it it can be hard to make friends as an adult guy. You know that that's a that's yeah. a trope in society. But we all became fast friends instantly because we all had so much in common. And uh, I know you're going to yeah. experience that again in London. Yeah, two days out now. Uh, when this we're recording this on Wednesday, the podcast is out on Friday. It's today. If you're listening today, <laughs> if you're anywhere near London, feel free to come along on your own. You're not too late. Just grab a ticket, show up. There'll be loads of friends waiting. But um, yeah, no, Orlando was beautiful. It was great to see you. We. Uh, had some late drunken nights and some fun at game. Well, you didn't have as much fun at the game because you got beat. You're a diehard Charlotte <laughs> fan, but um, it was a great day. So today, you know, I've wanted John since, um, to be honest, and there's just been, I don't know, I think um, I might have messaged you about it and then just sort of waited and then I seen you run with a guy, So Rare in the States, shout out that podcast. I thought you'd had signed an exclusive deal, <laughs> um, but maybe we'll get a couple of the other guys on soon as well, but with loads to speak about and it's great having you who's a true hybrid of the platform that's what i'm going to call you a hybrid i love it what a trip you know i, I like i love uh i love things that are, are hybrid that that speaks to my soul so thank you very much yeah so like i am a bit of a, i think i'm like 98 99 football one percent mlb bought a load of cards way overpaid which is hilarious mm. do you want to have a laugh actually just to make <laughs> everyone else at home feel better if they overpaid for any baseball cards do you want to see something really funny Go to Ronald, and I, well, we we won't know until time passes to see like how overpaid this is. But on a graph, it looks absolutely hilarious, like really funny. Pull up Ronald Acuna Jr. if you can. If not, mm -hmm. I'll just narrate it for you. I don't I'm know if you're able to look at it. You're looking at it. Oh yeah. Okay. So you know, the first cards come out. No one knows how how expensive they should really be. I didn't take into account the fact they were one of a five thousand, not one of a thousand. Mm -hmm. I seen the Mike Trout price. I seen the Otani price. 
I got carried away with a bit of an ego in a bidding war for the one-off. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, that's a good deal. That's a grail card. That's a brilliant card. The one of mm-hmm. 5,000 Ronald Acuna Jr. For context, just turned down like a 450 million offer, didn't he? Um, you can probably give a bit more context. Like, who is he in the world of football? Uh, uh, in the world of football, uh, he's kind of... Uh, I'd almost call him... a. Uh, a Julian Alvarez, maybe you know, guy who's oh, on no. the, the, the the defending champs, and uh, you know, I I have my higher on Alvarez's chances for playing time than a lot of people are on Man City. Acuna is more of a star. I mean, he's more a little more established than Alvarez, but uh, just be thinking in terms of the defending champs and being a, a young bright star, he could be in that range, I guess, off the top of my head. Oh, so I I kind of had it in my head naively. I was like, okay, well, if Otani's the Mbappe, maybe Ronald Acuna is like the Haaland. <laughs> But you choose Alvarez instead of Holland. He he may be closer to Alvarez. You got to understand, I love Julian Alvarez. He's like my favorite player. He's like my mascot. So so I think of him higher than other people probably do. So he he may be closer to Holland in some people's mind. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know how much I rate Holland, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, we can get on to that. That's a fun conversation. I've been talking a lot about Holland. I've actually, for anyone interested in FPL, I've taken over the Fantasy Football Hub YouTube channel and I have done a ridiculous amount of talking about Haaland, Kane, that debate. Alvarez is one who everyone in FPL is sleeping on, not this guy. I haven't got him for game week one, but I have no doubt at six and a half million in FPL, he's going to be an absolute belter of a pick. But back to Ronald Acuna Jr., we can't leave people waiting this long. I paid €1,650 for a limited, yes, you heard it right, limited. Mm -hmm. A normal football limited? No, you heard it wrong. It's a 5000 limited. One of 5,000, I paid that. How much did the latest one sell for, I hear you ask? 58 quid. <laughs> yeah, and it, it really hurts when you when you look at the two of. When you look at the number two, and it, it's about 10% of what you paid, slightly more. Oh, it hurts, for sure. But you're always going to have that number one, John, and no one can take it away from you, and I don't think anyone's going to take it away from you at that price. But uh, I'll burn it before I give it away for 60 quid. No doubt. We... Well, I would say this is an extreme example of what we're seeing in just about any graph, though. There's almost, if you look at anyone's graph, save for a handful of players in this MLB, you see a huge, huge drop from the from the first serial numbers in limited in rare. Super rare hasn't gotten quite that far yet, but there was some major, major overpays early on that that quickly dropped and. I think it's just because of a, a, a number of factors, excitement, people were, you know, and also the lack of knowledge. People didn't really know how much they're worth and you get excited about a number one serial number and you just kind of, kind of go nuts and you, you want the card, but yeah. And I, we've seen it, but if you look every graph in the, in the, uh, of almost every player looks like this, that steep, steep decline. I think it's going to stay that way for a while with, with MLB and we can get into some of the reasons why a little later, I think we plan to, but I do think that, MLB cards hit a quick crash as soon as they came out, and it's probably going to stay that way for a little bit, especially as we're at the end of the season. I'm hoping So Rare will come through with a, some replays or some type of winter game to keep these cards having some interest uh, as they get ready to, to do like a, their full launch. They So Rare even kind of described it as you know a, almost a soft launch here, the back half of mm-hmm. the 2022 season to really hit it hard in 23, but don't feel bad. I think it might take a while, but I do think your Ronald Acuna will pay off. I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever truly feel like you're getting value out of it, but you're a good sport for, for being willing to point out. And we could all, every single one of us could point to our insane, so rare overpays. So don't feel too mm. bad about it. 
we've all been there. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. I needed that. So I was trying to look back at Mbappe, maybe to compare him and sort of be like, well, let's look at the limiteds that we know and the limiteds that we have a sort of track record for. And in terms of Ethereum, it maybe doesn't tell the whole story. But if you look at Mbappe's graph over time, you know, there was that mad sort of rush at the start, everyone trying to get Mbappe, paying a lot of money. And I kind of dipped off. And there was a few months there where, okay. And then he grew to a peak where normal cards were selling for more than the one-off sold for at the start. And then it dropped again. And then it rose again to above, you know, previous highs. But mm-hmm. the fate kind of tells a different story. Um, so there is a lot going on there. But I think, do you know what, let's talk about this now and we'll get to all the other things. Because this is probably something you've thought about a lot more. Like, where do you think we are in terms of the ecosystem of MLB? I don't know if we have any ideas of the numbers of people interested in terms of the number of the amount of marketing or the like onboarding that, that Sorare might sort of see over the coming months or years in, in Sorare MLB. Like, where do you see it going? Yeah, so I talked about this uh, in the most recent episode of Sorare in the States earlier this week with uh, with my co-host Chris. And uh, he did not lock me up on an exclusive contract, by the way. So that's why I wasn't able to join you here. But, <laughs> but uh, love doing that show with Chris. Love talking to MLB. I, I've explained on that show that I'm kind of, I'm an old school, Major League Baseball was my first love as a kid. I grew up, got into, you know, watching the gridiron action, watching NBA. Eventually, when the 1994 World Cup came to the United States, that's when I really got into football and started, you know, becoming more of a, a soccer fan. I, I, I do use those terms interchangeably. I try to say gridiron <laughs> when I'm talking about American football to a European <laughs> audience to, to, like to uh, <laughs> distinguish it. But uh, but yeah, so it, it gets to the point where football became my true love. And I actually, uh, in my professional life, I work, I'm a, I'm a TV sports producer and I uh Spent some time at Major League Baseball Network about 12 years ago, 2011, 2012. Worked there for a year or so. And I, so I, I have a lot of baseball background, but I'll confess in the last few years, I kind of really leaned hard into football. And I was always a, a European football fan, Premier League, mm-hmm. World Cup, Champions League, stuff like that. And in, the, in recent years, I kind of really finally started to embrace the domestic league, the MLS here in, in America. And that kind of left me with no more like bandwidth in my personal world for, for Major League Baseball. So I kind of drifted away from Major League Baseball. Now, with being so huge into So Rare, it's become like my number one hobby. And with So Rare launching MLB, when I first got the news a couple months back, I said, hey, it's time to get back into baseball, time to rediscover my first love. So Mm. a lot of things about MLB, I'm kind of relearning or re-remembering, you know, things uh, that I that I used to know a lot better. But I I feel good with it. And I've been studying the market and I'm trying to just approach it from a so rare perspective, you know. So uh, I have some things that I all that's a long build up to say is that, you know, I've I've been talking about this. I've been thinking about this and I really feel like there's a couple issues that are hurting us from really knowing where the market is to answer your question the Mm. the the lack of functionality on the website has been a problem i think in establishing a secondary market the fact that you can't go to a player page like you would in on the soccer side the fact that you can't go to make a trade you can't offer another manager lower than what they've got a card posted for you can't offer trades for card for card and things like that and you know those are those are hangups. Those are frustrating sort of user interface type of stuff that that like you'd say, oh, well, it's going to get fixed eventually. Don't worry about it. Just just be patient. And that's true. That's fine. I think patience is a grand virtue to have for sure. And I'm trying to be patient and trying to you know, <laughs> I'm a dad. I try to yell at my kids to be patient all the time or so. But uh, uh, 
the problem, the re, it's not just a user interface thing because it, it hurts the establishment of a secondary market. If you can't really make offers to go back and forth and find out like what the real prices of some of these cards are on a secondary market, then you're, we don't really have a way of knowing. Now, there have been enough probably auctions at this point in the limited that we can sort of see what the floor is. You know, mm. you're all too aware of what your Ronald Acuna limited <laughs> yeah, floor yeah, is yeah. there. But uh, and so that helps. But, you know, I, I, I personally decided to sort of forgo limited MLB and, and make my run in, in the rare division for now. We'll see if that lasts. But but I'm sitting here with a lot of rare cards that a few that I overpaid for and a couple that I think I got on good deals. But I don't really know the real prices. And I think part of that is because we're a little hamstrung by so rare not giving us the functionality. So I'd like to see that fixed. I think it'll help establish the market a little bit more. Uh, yeah. The other thing is that I think is probably going to keep these card prices low down here near near what we I'd hopefully to hopefully call a bottom right now going into the, the rest of the season and the end of the, the off season is the lack of the ETH threshold price. There's no... Yeah. There's no 250 points you can go get in uh, in MLB like you can in the All-Star Rare Division in soccer. And I think I think if SoRare could, they would get rid of the threshold prize in, in football for sure. But they know that it's it would tank the market for any tier three rares and things like that below. And that they're kind of too too into it now. They're, they're too mm. too uh, too married to it to really give away get rid of it. They'd have to phase it out over time, and it'd probably take a year or year plus to actually phase that out of the soccer game. So I don't think they want to put it into the baseball game. I, d I think it's something they yeah. want to avoid as much as possible. But I think that was around legislation or like regulation, I suppose is the word. Um, more so, wasn't it from like a gambling law in America? There's, there, thing, is the I don't know it? the exact details. I, I would get, venture to say there could be some gambling issues, but I mean, they're doing it in, in major leagues, in MLS. You know, MLS cards are competing yeah, for threshold prizes. I think maybe so it was I, MLB themselves when Yeah, it could be it, that. You know, sort of and, said. And I'll tell you what, whatever it is, I promise you, SoRare's not pushing a hard to overturn that regulation. They're, yeah, they're yeah. more than happy to not offer the ETH prizes for now, unless they get to a point maybe next year where they would feel like they need to. If the market's just not yeah. picking up enough, that could be – that's well, kind of like – I would consider that their nuclear option to save MLB – you know, in the long run, if it just wasn't taken off nine months from now or something like that. But what they need to do then, look, if there's no like – underlying sort of value in terms of ETH winnings or money that can be won, they're back in the collectability value because otherwise mm -hmm. it's buying cards to win cards to win cards to buy cards to win cards and it just seems a bit bollocks really unless collectability is a, f a massive part of that or mm -hmm. utility. So let, let's lean into collectability first. That'll only come with time. That's not going to come overnight. And for it to come overnight or to speed that up, when I spoke to Nicholas last week, obviously everyone heard it. You know, he sort of understands how important the collectability is. But like, they need like sexier cards, limited edition stuff, you know, mm -hmm. special edition, whatever's different designs, you know, to try and make them more collectible. Um, right. And on top of I would that, love, they need to I would love a special design on any reward card. I would love for reward cards to just have a slight different look than auction cards. You know, that'd be just one quick thing that you could do. Yeah, just so it's a like slight you can visually see, oh, I won that card. That that that, that means more to me now that mm -hmm. I won it. And maybe you're a little, you know less likely to sell it or, or charge more of a premium for it, something like that. They can do so even, much more with the pictures. You know, I'm, I'm in, in Major League Baseball, there's dynamic way Dynamic images, more, like... Yeah. That sort of thing. Surely they could get a, something like that on the go with MLB. Dynamic stuff, I think even just collectability features within the site or rewards for it on the secondary, uh, or sorry, in like the club shop and all that, and the little like achievements, things like that, you know, 
that's one way. And then another huge thing is the utility of these cards. If they can't give away ETH, that why, what if they could give away experiences that no one could possibly get with you know elsewhere? Things money can't buy that you know baseball fans across America will go, holy shit, you see so rare. You can go for dinner with Aaron Judge. You can you know mm-hmm. go and throw balls at Otani. You can go and do this. These mm-hmm. really really crazy like. Yeah, and they can offer there's stuff that doesn't have to necessarily be like bucket list stuff too, but that's still worth winning. Just the chance mm-hmm. to go. So every team in Major League Baseball, if they're going to play a game at seven that night, they're going to show up at the ballpark earlier in the day, and they're going to go out for an hour or two and take batting practice. And it's just the players yeah. in half uniforms, just kind of hanging out, and it's a very loose. You know, rep- a few reporters are there to do interviews. So batting practice is an established thing. Everybody knows. Oh yeah, if you just win a win score a certain uh, score 300 points in this game week, you get to go to batting practice for the New York Yankees next week. Something like that is cheap. It doesn't cost so rare a lot of money to give that away. The Yankees, I'm not sure they would want huge crowds at their batting practice, but maybe, maybe they can find a way they they probably sell some concession. So I think that's, that's just a great idea. And I think you did a really good job. I, of course I listened to your talk with Nicholas last week and I think you pressed him really well and pushed him to the, the things that are going to add more collectability, like you say, which is real world experiences, special edition cards, and I, and more club shop type stuff. I'm I'm like I'm right there with you. I I heard you say that, and it was like angels singing from the heavens to me. You know, as as I, as you were asking him those questions, because I was like, yes, this is what we need. And uh, I'd go. My big thing is I want. I don't if you play FIFA Ultimate Team, if you're into that at all. But I have played it. Before, I want yeah. like the squad building challenges. Where you can like, hey, let's let's put together a full 11 of, uh, you know, Celtic in limited and you win like a a Rio Hatate rare or something, you know, something you win like a Celtic rare. You know, if you've assembled the 11 starters for for the uh, in the limited division, you can burn those cards to to get an upgrade or or, you know, it it doesn't have to be even cross scarcity. It could just be like a really nice other limited or something like that. So yeah, squad build, or it could just be club shop prices for a for a squad building challenge. But that's something that they can do in both sports, I think. And everything you've said is is spot on as well. Yeah. So we'll see how the MLB sort of progresses. But I think a lot of us in football seem, and most of the audience of this this podcast will be football because that's where it all started. Uh, maybe there's a few new. If you're a new baseball listener, shout shout me out. No, that's mm-hmm. that's the wrong thing to say. Don't shout me out. Message me. That's what I was trying to say. I've been making so much content over the last week, I can barely speak. So you'll have to empathize <laughs> with me if I start stumbling over words this one. Um, but yeah, so MLB in the future, we'll see. I didn't realize just how low the prices are gone. Like, I'm laughing at my um, my Ronald Acuna buy for like an ETH or something. And then I see his rare now. He's going for like 0.3, 0.4. Mm-hmm. Tani went for an underneath and he's essentially like the the guy so interesting to see that maybe i should have went rare um but you know we'll see how it all goes if, so if i'm guessing i think that so rare is happy to see these prices low because i think one of their things is that the hardest part of growing football even after the boom of 19 of 2021 was the uh high barrier of entry price-wise. It's tough to get into it. You know, that's why they had to launch limited and things like that. So I think ultimately, I think SoRare's goal right now is just volume and they want to bring in as many people as possible, even at the expense of, I've said this again on SoRare in the States, like I think they're kind of hurting the, the, they're not really rewarding the people who have spent big early. They're not really doing much 
to help the whales in this case and the, and the early movers and the people who, who are really enthusiastic. I think that's a problem. I don't think you want to make those people angry. I feel like the every, everything they've done demonstrates to me that they're leaning towards erring on the side of bringing as many people as cheaply as possible. And we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, we'll see. I suppose the lower bar to entry in baseball is definitely a positive on that front. But as you say, we'll see how much it impacts the rest of the market and the rest of the platform. But moving on from baseball for a second, uh, football's back, baby. You know, Mm. football is back. It has been back. I've said it's back a couple of different times, but it's truly back this weekend. The Premier League's back. Um, I know my PSG, so La Liga's or Ligue is back. I don't know if La Liga is back. Is it another week away? But I know, like a lot of a lot of football's back, basically. Uh, Bundesliga mm-hmm. as well. European football, full stacked teams going out. Lots more teams will be coming out. People have been prepping all summer, and yeah, I'm just buzzing. Put a team together, and you know, whenever like this again is a bit of a wheel problem. Whenever you've got a gallery where you know you, you are happy, I've had like 45 training teams just running for like weeks now, mm-hmm. and months. And now it's like I'm starting to pull them out. And it's like, oh, remember I have that guy. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I have mm-hmm. an Odegaard. Remember that guy? Oh, and it's like they're all coming back. And I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. It, it's but, tremendous. Come- I, I, I actually, for the first time in months, deleted all my training teams. I just, I wiped the slate clean. I, I know it's tedious to build them every week. So I love the fact that they carry over now. But this time I wiped it because I just wanted to do what you said, rediscover all my guys. I wanted to like... Oh, I, I, they were buried in all these training yeah. teams that had just been repeating week to week. And now now I needed to get up close and personal with them a few. So that was fun. So football's back. Everyone's very excited. Best of luck this weekend with all your teams. Let's hope there's some nice reward openings coming. And yeah, because I've, I've hope made a few purchases. Uh, let's hope there's some Ajax stacks that we can all complain about and uh, complain of broken the game again right away, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that leads us on nicely to the score matrix. So there's a change to the score matrix. Uh, the reason I actually did this on well is I suppose Jerry and Timber got a bit of a kick in the bollocks. Not a massive <laughs> one, but he got a bit of a kick. Um, the score matrix change. So I imagine everyone listening's heard about this by now, if you haven't. It's from Game Week 300, isn't it? Which is, um, I don't know, about six or seven Game Weeks away at this stage. There's some sort of big enough changes, mainly in defense and in goals, um, as PSU would say, to the goaltenders. Um, but Amazing. midfielders and forwards there's not massive changes maybe more so in midfield forwards not a hell of a lot but what were your initial what not I don't even want your initial reaction now what's your current thinking of it because the initial reaction might have been different what are your your thoughts on the score matrix change I don't love it but it is what there's I can't do anything about it so I, my current my initial thoughts were pretty negative and my current thoughts are just deal with it and move on and quit moaning but mm. I do feel kind of like the conspiracy minded uh, mind that sometimes where I sometimes drift. I feel like the goal was to make Trent Alexander Arnold a better card and they reverse engineered scoring matrix changes all just, you know, whatever it takes to make Trent better. That, that's what I'll I really it. think. I'll take it. <laughs> I know you'll take that. I know a few other people will for sure. But that's how it feels. It, it just feels like, hey, we need to buff Trent. What are the changes that are, we need to make to do that? I think mm. all the. Changes pretty much make sense, except for one to me uh, that that really I can't get over, honestly. But I don't like the negative points. The the they they moved uh, the penalty for a goal allowed on defenders from minus two to minus four. I think that's a big difference, and it it really 
hurts. I, I, I've been in, I've gone round and round with people. I was arguing with Zurov and a few others about, you know, that's kind of lame that, that you should give the clean sheet points to the defender. If they're losing, you know, if the goalkeeper's losing three for a goal allowed and the defender's losing four, sounds like the defender's more important to the clean sheet than the goalkeeper. Maybe they should get the decisive for the clean sheet instead. You know, obviously that doesn't yeah. make sense because then there would be no other way for goalkeeper, goaltenders to get uh, clean, uh, decisive <laughs> actions and things like that. But uh, I do think that's just a little out of balance to me. I would just, I think if they had just left defender uh, goal out at minus two, I probably would end up having no problems with the, the, the matrix changes. But I think it's hard. And it, regardless of where, how it compares defenders to goaltenders, keepers, it, uh, it hurts. <laughs> it, what it does is it, it hurts the, the, the defenders on worse teams and it, it buffs. The, so like the reason it's a huge buff for Trent is because, you know, he doesn't even have to play defense at all, even though he's quote unquote a defender and Liverpool is going to keep a clean sheet. So he's going to get his 10 points and not have to worry about any negative fours that, that hit his score. Whereas, you know, a, I'm a kind of guy that I don't have a Trent, you know, I, I have, I'm not, I haven't spent, I've spent a significant amount of money on this, but I still try to consider myself a little bit of a value player and not just, you know, spending up for the yeah. very best cards. I'm trying to compete at a lit. I'm trying to compete with the best at a little bit lower level of buy-in, whether that works or not, we'll see. But it hurts your ability to find a cheaper defender who can score as well because they're losing an extra two points, you know? So you're, you know, let's say, uh, you know, your 60 becomes a 54 and, and things like that because your team allowed two extra, three extra goals and, and, and whatnot. So it, it widens the gap between the elite and non-elite cards and defender ranks because of that extra minus two added on. Mm. And it hurts people trying to compete in value. That's what, that's what I think. Yeah, I think I think the change to the goalkeepers who get stung now for three points as opposed to zero for goals conceded. While you would argue that it made sense for goalkeepers to get penalised for conceding goals, um, you know, I actually th- feel like it it makes sense. But equally, it does further punish the goalkeepers that aren't maybe a list. And I kind of speaking of conspiracies, not that any of this is conspiracy. It's all probably just very real. Um. You know, a lot of people sort of thinking, you know, they're taking out the common goalkeepers from the threshold. And now this has made it even harder because a lot of goalkeepers won't necessarily really be useful. They, they'll be the price of entry. But, you know, if you're a goalkeeper for a lower half team in the Bundesliga where there's loads of goals or for a lower half team in, in many places, as a threshold player, you're probably not going to be that useful because you could be shooting 20s and 15s regularly. But equally, that said, the peaks of these players will be higher because you'd imagine when they do keep a clean sheet, they'll make more saves and saves inside the box, mm. get an extra point, good high claims, get a bit more punches, get a bit more. Um, they get a bit more for passes and an accurate final third passes. Not that goalkeepers and, and sort of teams that aren't that dominant will get those. But I suppose we're going to see higher peaks from per goalkeepers and lower lows much more often, mm-hmm. um, which again feeds into the more premium goalkeeper, you know, before. And maybe it is counterintuitive the way it was before. I'm trying my best not to be biased because I do have like the Courtois and all blacks. But like, you know, before it was a case of an all black might get you 60 points regularly enough, but he's never going to hit you a 90. Well, maybe he's a bad example. Maybe like an Allison is the example there. Mm-hmm where he will rarely shoot you high because he's going to keep a clean sheet. He's not going to have a lot of involvement, but now those goalkeepers are going to get the passes, um, which mm-hmm. up those scores. 
and they won't be conceding the goals. So while they aren't necessarily gaining there, they aren't losing like the other goalkeepers. But the point here is that <coughs> for a long enough time, all right goalkeepers that are okay have had the higher upside. And should that have been the case, should a lower table goalkeeper who isn't as good as Allison be able to score as well as Allison? I, I actually... It's a bit yeah. of a clusterfuck, really. Like Philosophically, I've, I think yes is the answer to that because I think it's a risk-reward because mm. the, the, they do have that higher upside, but they're going to hit it a lot less often. So it's really about, you know being willing to take the risk of 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 the of the three goals allowed guillotine and stuff like that and just hoping you know getting rewarded for putting a lesser goalie and you should have a higher upside than someone who just plugs allison in i think mm. it's i hear you there was a bit like there were a lot of people upset it seemed to be a case of like i i found it so hard because i was just so happy because it, it affected trent Mm-hmm. And I've been madly running with two trends for a while for no real reason other than the fact that I just really like him. Hence, he's on the sure. wall behind me. He's a guilty fantasy player. And I do feel like he's revolutionized the right back role. You know, he's almost changed how teams play. The attack and wing backs are like, he's been so dominant for so long. Like, I do feel Trent should score how Trent scores. But equally, I'm probably incredibly biased. You know, um, mm-hmm. the centre backs seem to have got a little bit of a kick in the stones. Um, not massively, but if I pull up like a Jurian Timber, like his, where are we looking? His L40 average goes from a 66, 68 down to a 66. His L5 goes from a uh, 40 down to a 34. Mm. He's got a slight kick in the stones, but I mean, he's still going to be a, a really top option. Um, yeah, God for God forbid that defenders who play defense should score well in the defender role, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, mm-hmm. Trent, Trent 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 Alexander Arnold is awesome, but he's not a defender. He's a he's a midfield winger, and I I, I won't accept any arguments uh, to he the contrary. Is he a does defender. not. He does not play defense. He's horrible. He's he's picked on by opponents that go after him when he's on the field every time. He's I mean, a defender though. <laughs> sure he is, is a defender. Sure is. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> No doubt, no that's doubt. He's, he's a defender. Then. Yeah, that's all. Just because Klopp calls him, just because Klopp calls him a defender, doesn't mean that he actually is. Yeah, that that's fair. But I suppose like the thing here is, if we look at the matrix, you know what seems to have happened is, you know, the likes of the timber and the timber's just the prime guy, the guys who camp in there and in just inside the final third of the opposition because they're such dominant teams in their domestic league. He hasn't been killed, but he's knocked twenty percent off basically everything. Uh, from his passing that he's really going to get um, apart from attempted assists. But like accurate passes and accurate final third passes, not 20% off what he would have got. He's not going to concede goals. So like the goals conceded isn't really a thing. Errors leading the shot aren't that, don't happen that often. The fouls are a small thing. But in a nutshell, I think I'm going a bit into, too into the weeds here for a podcast, maybe on something that's already been digested. The bottom line is, are we happy with the matrix change? I am. I'm biased. I think the goalkeepers do get hit a little bit hard at times, and I do agree with you on the minus four. I think the goal conceded penalty across the board was maybe a little heavy-handed. Outside that, I think it's fair enough. Yeah, um, I think it's personally. fair enough. And th- this is how close I am to being in your camp, by the way. If, a quick Sower story. I had a podium finish last summer, uh, great lineup, and there was a stat adjustment to my – I was in first on Sunday night, and there was a stat adjustment that knocked me down to second by just fractions of a point. And the other guy, the guy who passed me, he his guys all played on – my guys had all played on Saturday, so that my guys all mm-hmm. went through the secondary opt review and po- – 
ticked me down. He his guys all played on Sunday, and so they didn't go through the secondary review. He didn't have any chance to like drop his score from Opta review. So I got stuck by fractions of a point in second. First place was Trent. And second place that I got was Alessio Cragno, the the Genoa goalkeeper, who's just completely worthless. It's just one of the that one is, of the worst so rare experiences of uh, podiums you could possibly have. But that is I'm absolutely cutting. I don't think you are over it. I don't think you could ever get over that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not over it. Yeah, and then, um, then if that if that had just gone slightly uh, the other way by 0.02 points, then I'd be all about this new scoring matrix with mm. uh, you know buffing my Trent that I never would have sold. That would have kept that thing for sure because he, he's a badass. The last thing I want to say about the score matrix, I suppose, is this. Do you think the manner in which they've done it is good enough in terms of timing? You know, the, they're, they're pretty wholesale changes to some players. Um, it's really buffed fullbacks who lose a lot mm-hmm. of possession. Like, big time. Like, there's guys out there. The first thing I did was I went and looked for who loses the most possession. And then I just bought a couple of them. Um, I only bought one rare in a few limits, right. really. But, like... If you lose 20%, 20 possessions a game, you've just gained eight points. If that's your average, you've just gained eight points a game. If you lose mm-hmm. 30 possessions in a game, you've just gained 12 points. And 10 possessions a game would be very common, at least for mm-hmm. a fullback in attacking sort of wingback systems. And that's just four points gained. Like, that is a big enough change. Whatever about midfielders, some did win, um, and forwards very minimally. But they realistically only gave, what, six weeks? Eight weeks? Yeah. Yeah. I think the timing is sort of, it's good on when it takes effect. I think right here at the start of a new European season is, is the the time to do mm-hmm. it. I think that's as much as I love MLS and, and played the summer very hard in the America division. I think that the, the base of the, the, the bulk of the user base being European based, I think that's, it's smart to time changes to the start of the European season. I have no problem with that, but I think that they probably knew these changes were coming. I don't think that they, finished the matrix scoring changes and then announced it the next day. So I think they should have announced a little sooner. There should have been a little bit more lead time. Like, so I mm. like the timing of when it takes effect. I didn't love the timing of the announcement. Probably could have been a month sooner. I'm pretty sure they had an, an eye or uh, a mind of what they were going to do. And, you know, the, again, I, if you look like, if you look at what happened immediately after the changes were announced, you sometimes wonder, Hey, did some, did, were there people that knew this was coming today or something like that? Because I saw people pouncing, you know, on, on, on trends and maybe they're just really smart and opportunistic and saw the, had the insight right away, or, or, you know, maybe they, they would need to expect I, something. Who knows? I don't, I don't know the, the trends that were punched on, um, was that by AJ? The fake AJ account. Yeah. The fake AJ account. I mean, look, if that happened after the article was published or after the changes were published, if it happened after that, I wouldn't look into it personally because I just think, the first thing I seen was possession lost because everyone thought that's what was going to happen. If you had to mm-hmm. say, what are they going to change in a score matrix exchange? It's losing possession for defenders. And the minute that happens, the first person you go to is Trent. You know, without mm-hmm. even digging in and running numbers, the first right. person, and if you're a whale and you have the budget, the first person who's going to rise in value is Trent. So I wouldn't look into that. However, if someone straight off, straight off the back of it within minutes had bought loads of like, lesser known guys who've benefited really well then it would be mm-hmm. a bit fishy and maybe that happened yeah. if that's happened then someone got tipped right. off and I, that's not I, great again the, you're right and that's good analysis and i'll take my tinfoil hat off obviously but uh <laughs> uh, uh yeah and again the trent supernova the whole thing was you know the scoring matrix is the you can just call it the the trent alexander arnold 
update because that, like yeah. I said, it, it all feels as if it was reverse engineered just above him. But we'll see how well, it plays out. I do, th- I do think this is one of those things that in a few months it, it will have sort of washed any feelings about it will have washed away and just be like, oh yeah, there used to be an old Matrix. I forgot what it was. You know, we'll just we'll have adjusted. So yeah, I, I think so. Um, so. In terms of the score matrix, I think that's about it. I don't think there's anything else I want to say personally. Um, what else has happened? Oh, I want to ask you, you mentioned it there uh, back when we were talking about collectability. I spoke to Nicholas last week. Now, again, this isn't about... The, uh, genuinely, I know what this sounds like. Oh, look at John bringing up his own podcast with Nicholas. It's it's more about like, how did you... You listened to that. How did you find Nicholas um, and what he said? You know, I'm not trying to pretend he gave loads away. He didn't. But I kind of felt I liked when I talked to him a bit of the the context around stuff that maybe we were missing or mm. explaining some stuff or showing like directly from him at the top that, yeah, he completely understands the importance for things. So I really liked it. And to be honest with you, the feedback was nothing but positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but at times, you know, and it's one of those where like they've told us everything they can tell us. He's never going to be able to outright tell you things that you don't already know realistically. So while maybe we spoke about a lot, yet nothing was said, I do still feel there was nice context in there, empathy about getting to know him. And maybe I think that lets people maybe trust who the man is or the company's vision. But maybe I'm full of shit. What were your thoughts? No, you, you said it, man. It, it humanizes. It humanizes the face of the company. It, it gives yeah. us a window in into the mind. And there's things that come across in a in a visual conversation that I can watch between you and he that I would never ever get from reading a blog post you know so yeah uh, it was extremely valuable I'm glad you did it you should be proud of the fact that you were one of the people that he chose to sit down to talk to and I, I you should feel no shame for bringing it up again because uh, it was an awesome awesome uh, uh, opportunity to do I think you did a good job I don't think you lobbed him super softballs I, I don't think you grilled him I think you you know there's a certain point where you have to sort of mm know that you're not going to get a chance to grill this guy and hammer him on stuff like that. Uh, if I was going to push the one thing I would have wanted to know more about was just the MLB launch and some of those, what I consider, you know, to be, I think they launched about a 60, 70% complete product just to get it on the market yeah. and start selling auctions. Uh, I think, you know, and they're more than happy. They're, they're making a ton of money. They knew that these first cards were going to be way overpriced and that, you know, and it, it goes to the rollout of those features that I mentioned earlier, player pages, trade offers, notifications when you're outbid on auctions and things like that that aren't ready and aren't and, and should have been mm. in my mind. Again, I'm not a developer, but should have been easy to port some of that stuff over from the football side to MLB. I'm, so it makes you wonder, like, did they intentionally leave these outs to, to make the market a gray area so that people wouldn't be able to correctly value their cards and would be overpaying for them? I mean, I don't think that's the case, but like you start to wonder stuff like that. So I would have loved a little bit more pressure on Nicholas, I think, as mm. to why some of those features weren't ready on the rollout and why they're still not ready three and a half weeks later, but only so much you can do. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think from my perspective, I honestly, you know, rightly, wrongly, whatever, I'm a podcast host and maybe should be more attuned with everything going on around, but I've been very detached from the baseball launch because I'm not a big baseball guy. So I kind of mm-hmm. went in and just bought the big guys 
and I don't and I pop in a team and I walk away and I haven't even sent an offer on secondary. I haven't received you offers. You, you, oh, you can't you send an offer can't. on secondary. That's well, the problem. We, that, there we go. Yeah, that, you know, that's yeah, what I'm talking there about. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I didn't even know that. You know. Yeah. So like for me to push that, I would need to know it. So maybe I should have known a bit more going into that about MLB. I think what I tried to do was. I had my questions and then I looked through the post that went out and I looked at the most liked ones and any number, some really huge bits of uh, huge questions and, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 likes on some of them. And I just kind of picked the top mm-hmm. 10 because I, I treated yeah. it almost like an AMA, you know, when it's like the upvoted questions. But you're right. Let, um, let me be a little more on the positive side since I've been throwing so much, you know, negative uh, towards SoRare, both founded and unfounded probably. But <laughs> on the positive side, I love what they're doing with the marketing. They're they're pushing hard. Uh, there's a show that airs here in America on the Major League Baseball Network called MLB Tonight. It's a four-hour nightly show where they just – it's four big guys that love baseball sitting around a desk and going game to game. They, they'll go out to this game on the West Coast for five minutes and watch it, come back mm-hmm. and talk about what they just watched – and then they'll go, you know, up east and they'll, they'll hit every game. They'll they'll cut to like dramatic situations and stuff. It's like if you're not going to watch just one single game, you need to watch MLB tonight because it, it just takes you around the league in real time yeah. as it's all happening. And, you know, they got some really great ball players that uh, sit and talk about it. And it's awesome. It's so entertaining. It's great, great show. Uh, you know, Emmy award winning show. Mm. that I used to work on if, if you, uh, <laughs> if you put it that way, but, uh, but, uh, right there front and center in the middle of the desk, you know, there's a huge ad. So rare, you know, in the middle yeah. of all these people watching MLB tonight, uh, they're going to break. They're putting up graphics that show a guy's stats, massive. So rare logo across the top of the graphic and things like that. So, and that's got to have all these people who've never heard of so rare football asking questions. They're baseball fans that, that probably hate soccer to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. But they uh, uh, are going to be like, what's so rare? Who, it's what is this so rare thing? Yeah, yeah. And so what they're doing to peak interest and to because I believe I truly believe that the very large bulk of the current MLB buyers, people who've been buying for the last three weeks are from the football side, Come are so rare players in football who've come over and maybe maybe generously, I'd say. I would estimate 20% probably are people that have never played so rare, but came in for baseball. I would, I would say it's about 80, 20 personally, mm-hmm. my guess, guesstimate, but they're going to, that those, those numbers will start to shift. I hopefully as more people yeah. who have never heard of so rare, but are huge baseball fans start to come in. And so, so rare has really done a good job with the marketing there. MLB is pushing and hopefully that continues. Uh, I know sometimes from experience that, you know, a marketing campaign on that show might last a month, and then go away. So hopefully it lasts longer than just this first month, but, but it's even I'm that, excited. Uh, I, I I think there's so much room to grow. It's even that retargeting, you know, if they see so rare there, maybe they're like, Oh, what's that? And then they forget about it. And then in a month, it's at a billboard at a game. And then they see mm-hmm. it again, whenever Aaron judge is talking about it, and then they see it again and again, and then eventually they'll snap and they'll go, Gee, what is this? And they'll mm-hmm. have a look or their mate will talk about it. Word of mouth and bad, bad, bad. Um, but yeah, Let's see how that all goes. Uh, another interesting partnership, I suppose, for So Rare in the last week has been the Transfer Marked thing on their announcements that said, we match made in heaven, So Rare and Transfer Marked team up for the content partnership, uh, for content partnership to bring you premium data insights and scouting tips. Um, and when we actually, you know, people are like, well, what does this mean? No one had a clue. What does that mean? So Brian O'Hagan, I think he's still head of growth, um, growth lead at So Rare. 
very excited about this content partnership between two football powerhouses. Uh, I've seen some questions as to what this partnership will be and why we're doing it. Let me break it down quickly. This is only three tweets. I'll read it out now. This is a marketing partnership for SoRare to build product awareness and acquire users. TransferMarkt is a community and product that we admire. We know its audience loves data, scouting, and transfers. Does it sound familiar with our community of managers? Teehee. He didn't say teehee. I said teehee. <laughs> this partnership is built around two pillars, content, blog posts, social media, YouTube, etc., on TransferMarkt's channels that will help explain what SoRare is. And we've built a new gaming category at the intersection um, of fantasy and collectibles, product education is key. I read that weird, but you know what I mean. Integrations. You'll see SoRare being integrated in transfer marks uh, products such as SoRare player pages linked in the player pages and SoRare sponsoring TM games. They must have games in the site or something. There'll be more to come as we deepen our relationship this year next. Excited for what's to come. Oh, and you're the top comment there, Trip and B. Great stuff. Now let's get some basic functionality out what of did the I MLB say? version of the site. <laughs> I can't believe it. You're right there. And Brian says, we're on it. Going from version 0 to 0.1, etc. It's a work in progress, but lots of updates to come. Um, so yeah, transfer marked. I mean, that's only positive. You've- you can't really shit on it, can you? I mean, in any way, it, it doesn't no, need, it, everything doesn't. There's need to one. Be there's, I do. I'll, if I, I'll voice one concern, I'll voice one concern, and it. it I was put. My, actually, reading that that series of tweets from Brian, I actually my 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 heart rested a little bit at this because I think it, it's a great partnership for like pushing so rare advertising on a transfer market because that's a, a well used website. So push as much so rare out there into other sites to get people to come and join so rare. That's great. What I the one thing I'm concerned about is I don't want so rare as an entity trying to be pushing scouting advice on on managers and users and things like that. I don't know if you've seen this. You, I doubt you've played the academy since they launched it. No, but if the if, when you go to put a lineup in the academy, the, the uh, on your roster build page as you're putting the guys in the roster, they have this they have this new feature of like suggested players, like oh to buy. So it's like, Oh, you might want to buy this guy. He would fit in your lineup type of thing. And it's like, I'm not so sure. And it seemed like maybe so was going to try to be, you know, making that even more robust through like transfer market data to like suggest players to buy and stuff like that. And that's just not somewhere I want to see so going at all. I think that's bad. They, they had a tweet the other day about like Arturo Vidal, his debut for Flamengo, right? And they're like, Oh, look at this guy. He scored a hundred in his debut. Like, Oh, go get his card. And it's like, well, if you actually follow the news, you know, that, he was only in that game due to some rotation. He's not going to be a regular starter for his yeah. new team. He's old and stuff like that. So I just don't want so rare trying to push cards on us. I think they need to be a little more neutral there, but we'll see. They haven't crossed any lines as far as I'm concerned, but mm. they're, they can see the line from where they're standing. Why? I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I just want to hear more. Why can they not? Or what word does the ethical problem come or the legal problem come if so rare start to go, ooh, Maybe you should buy this guy. Is that financial advice? Is it not? What is it that doesn't sit right with you? It, it feels like financial advice to me. If you, I, and I know SoRare is also pushing the whole, hey, you know, Nicholas is lean. I saw he did a retweet the other day. Uh, lean, they're, he's, they're really lean, leaning into this idea of, hey, we're just a game. We're not, you know, we're not a money making tool. We're just a game for people to play and have fun. And that, that's fine. I think that's that's the key to sustainability over the years for sure, because we just have to accept the fact that we're never going to make as much money as the people who started buying cards in 2019 you know it just it just is mm-hmm. what it is unless insane things happen but uh 
Yeah, I just I just I'm a little little wary of them giving financial advice because they have that vested interest. Like so rare makes money from auction sales and loses money from secondary market sales, right? So like they are them trying to like push guys on you to go get at auctions. I just I, I I'm a little wary of that. That's all. Yeah, because 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 if the, if you go buy someone a card and it doesn't work out, that's a huge gain for so rare and a huge loss for you. I guess you see that's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're if they're adding liquidity to Vidal's market by tweeting about it, when really he might be a terrible buy, and if it gets to the stage where they're getting commissions off secondary sales, because I doubt anyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 uh, that'll yeah. That when I said they gain from auctions and lose from secondary, that will change eventually when they someday do add a commission, which I'm fine with. I have no problem with commission. Yeah, they should add it, but even still, it just doesn't sit right. And it's something I always struggle with with the videos that I do because people what we've what like what i've quite literally found out from doing content is that the videos i do are the videos that people want because the videos that i do that aren't these ones no one watches and then people watch the ones where i go let's look at 10 belgian players that's why i do them because they're the ones people want to watch but what i've started to try and be a bit more careful about is instead of saying he looks great value because you know you're looking at it i'm looking at the data and i'm looking at his price and i'm going how on earth is his limited six quid this seems mad that looks great value but equally is that financial advice? It, it's a really, some people disagree. Some people agree. There's a lot of debate around that. And I'd love to actually know. So I've started now to try and just talk about players and their scores and reference price a little less, but mm-hmm. still it's just a weird one. I mean, Sura themselves are doing it. It's proper, like thin ice. Um, yeah. Thin ice is a good way to put it for sure. And, and I think, you know, you, you have the ability to be like very trans, you can sort of like couch any advice that you give in a podcast. You can say like, Hey, this is what I think, but this is what I think, but, and you can very much hammer that. But whereas if you look at, you know, if you go into that Academy and says deals from the market, you know, it's like, they're not necessarily throwing the butt in there, you know, so that, that, that's all. And it's, it's a tough game. Any game where people are spending this amount of money is going to get feelings involved. And it's probably there's really no objective rule or standard you can even set other than to be very draconian. You could say, I'm never going to talk about prices if you really want to avoid any potential uh, pitfalls. That mm. would probably make for a little bit more boring content. So you have to be the judge of what you want to do there. But uh it's tough. It's a, it is a game. It's a money game that we play for fun and hopefully a little money on the side. Everyone has their own sort of subjective uh, opinion of where they land on that. Yeah. Like I don't, would I play so rare if money didn't exist in it? I play FPL. So would I play so rare if it was a more engaging game and they really hammered down the game the matrix is incredible it's much more deep it's worldwide da, 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 da. but if whatever way they did their leaderboard or how the game was structured if they had a better longer term game game i would probably play it i don't think i would play one week like i wouldn't play fpl for one week at a time for bragging rights personally so i don't think i would play so rare in its current iteration if money wasn't involved but i would play an adjusted version of it that was longer term or something because the thing that I love about it is speculating on youth and seeing where that goes. And um, yeah, I don't know. We'll move on. Uh, just one thing I had a note on here. We'll get to it. First off, probably too late in the day, but the So Rare meetup is happening tonight in London, uh, Friday night. And I'm absolutely buzzing. Lots of giveaways. Thanks to everyone who's who's sort of 
chipped into that. Um, a few other NFT companies are giving a few things away. So rare, giving away um, loads of merch, different things. Don't want to confirm it just yet till I have it in hand. You know what it's like. Um, and I'll be getting a few things away, and there's loads of stuff getting given away. And aside from that, just pints and fun with so I, rare people. I can't believe I'm missing it. I, I've I've never been to London. I I hope to go. My my real I'm aiming to try to attend a Champions League match this year sometime later in the fall, early spring. And it's it's killing me that I missed uh, missed this London meetup. Hope you'll have a great time. There'll be another one someday. Hopefully, if this one goes well um we'll maybe do another one but just coming back to something you said earlier then we'll answer a few questions did you say you, you were unsure about Haaland? you said that yeah. very early yeah i just yeah. wanted to grill yeah. you on that a little bit you know you're an alvarez fanboy erling Haaland. big time, big time alvarez fanboy just talk to me about it Haaland's a big guy he's reliant on physicality for a lot of his game he has some technical skill but he also did miss about a a 0.8 XG chance, maybe even higher uh, from point blank range on, a, on an empty goal in the community shield. So Howland's not in, invincible in, in terms of finishing. It's not like he's some elite, elite finisher. He's good. He's great. But uh, I don't know. I think Mbappe is better than Howland. I, I think Howland, like I said, he relies, he has an unworldly pace. Like the way he accelerates is just insane. He He's exciting. He's awesome. I, I'm, I'm not trying to, insinuate in any single way that he's a bad player i just think he's a little overrated because he is rated so highly that's where i'd put it okay and you think alvarez is the the sleeper pick at city alvarez is a playmaker alvarez is a guy who does every who creates for himself and his teammates i think he i think it'll be really just knowing pep i think it's gonna be tough for him to see the field a ton. You saw what he did to Jack Graylish last year. I think Alvarez could potentially leapfrog Graylish in, in in the picking order of the lineup, though. Eventually, Alvarez did have a goal 10 minutes after subbing on in the community shield. I mean, he's he, he I think, will earn more playing time as the season goes on. I just think he's brilliant. I think he's, uh, he's an Argentinian. He's the next Argentinian mastermind. I'm never going to – I would never even – think to project someone to be on the level of Messi, but this is a guy who is going to be the most important player on the Argentinian team in the 2026 world cup, which will be won by the United States. And I just, <laughs> I see the sky's the limit for him. And uh, it's, I just love watching him play the things he does with his, his dribbling and footwork and his ability to beat a man and pick a pass and be creative and uh, send a free kick, uh, send a corner kick in and put it on a head and just, I value all that stuff way more than, mm. you know, a big giant Viking who's really fast, who runs and bullies over everybody and, and you know, hits point blankers into the net. But I used to, Holland is still really good. I love Holland. I, I, I think he'll compete for the golden boot in the Premier League, certainly. So, as a, again, it's that not, could be a, not a to slag him stack. at all. A fun stack. <laughs> yeah. hit once this season, both of them will get 100, <laughs> yeah. but the rest of the time you'll be hit with substitute appearances. Um Brendan Aronson, speaking of young Americans and winning World Cups, mm-hmm. he's he seemed to have took like a, a fish to water at Leeds. He's he's been doing well in preseason, getting lots of minutes, and a few people in FPL are are going the Aronson route. Like he really has um, turned some heads. I love Brandon Aronson. He's uh he's going to be the golden ball winner in that 2026 World Cup that I mentioned earlier. He's uh he's amazing. If his little brother Paxton doesn't win it instead, I I'm a huge huge fan of the Aronson brothers. I love Pulisic. I love McKenney. Love them all, but uh, Aronson is my guy. Aronson is my dude. I absolutely love uh, the Aronson brothers. 
I think they're the most important players in the U.S. men's national program. And I wish him well at Leeds. I, I think it's going to be tough. He made he caught a lot of eyes the other day with this really brilliant pass that he put through, like a long ball that kind of curved off the outside of his foot mm. into a perfect space for the striker to get and onto and you know make a, a chance on goal. But that reminds me get of a, myself. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it, <laughs> but it, it got you know he was a little lucky on that play because the the center back made a meal of it as well. So. Um, you know, it was a highlight play that he got a little lucky, but I love Brendan and we, we, we hope, we hope that he's the, the one. Let's see where it goes. But yeah, I put out a little highlight reel. I had a, a full 90 minute game on a 90 minute pitch for the first time in, in football in honestly, probably like 10 years. I've played a lot of rugby in the meantime, but the last time I set foot on grass was like, that wasn't even grass. That was Astro, but full size pitch was the ACL incident that everyone is too sick of hearing about in this podcast. So played few nice moments, but absolutely not fit enough. And I look hilarious on a camera. You know, when you're used to watching Premier League football. And then when I'm on the pitch, I think I'm really graceful and fast. And, and I'm like a just beautiful. And then it's like, I look hilarious whenever you watch it back. But um, that was good. I fun. saw people saying that you put Rory DeLapp to shame with your throwing ability, though. That's I, I, Don't sell yourself short, John. Three throws, all hit the target. That's all I'm saying. You know, a nearly, a nearly double nutmeg the guy, which would have just been like, I would have got subbed off and left, but too much turkey. Um, but I've eaten too much turkey in my time, unfortunately, so didn't quite get there. But anyway. Too much coleslaw and lasagna. Come on <laughs> that's now. the one. Oh, baby, don't. I'm hungry. I actually am hungry, so don't get me going. All right. A few questions here that were submitted by listeners. Alan C says, with the lack of cash prizes, do you still think Sorare MLB will attract many DFS players in America? Uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. I, I'm going to say that if the secondary market picks up, then it will. And But I don't think it's going to be SO7 game that helps the secondary market. I think the, the best case scenario is a very robust collectible and trading economy that can spring up around these digital cards. Baseball cards are just have a strong tradition going back 100 years in the United States of America in terms of being collectibles and, you know, the physical version of the cards. And they, they've perked up again a lot recently. They kind of went through a down slump in the 1990s and early 2000s. And now card collecting is probably as hot as it ever was here mm-hmm. in America. So the ability to trade cards and to get, a, get to build big collections for cheap with limited and then hopefully – that brings in a huge user base of people who are collecting and that drives the prices back up. And then that starts to attract some of the fantasy players who want to uh, win, win the prizes and, and sell them. Okay. I hear you. It Sorry. will be a long road. It's not going to happen until probably next spring, summer, to be honest, in my opinion. You think it's a, it's a long road. Well, let's see where it, where it ends up and see how, how baseball evolves. I was just looking at the screenshot you sent me through. That's why I got a bit distracted there of the deals from the market. By now, I see what you mean there. That's a little bit like, whoo, okay. Yeah. And you never, I I wonder how closely, we're just going back for anyone wondering, uh, Trippin here said about the Academy and how they've like suggested buys now. Like the deals from the market. I wonder how closely they police those. That's my thing. Because what if that accidentally sticks out like a DMP or an injured player, which it could very easily do? Like how much thought is going into those? Are they being handpicked like, oh, this would actually be a really good guy this week? Like based off the fixture, based off the this? Or is it a key? And even then it's a bit dodgy. And are they going to be using the the transfer market data to determine that and stuff like that with this new partnership? And it's just just a gray area at best. It's just... If you're listening so rare, that is screaming for someone to go and buy one of these, have a DMP, 
miss out on a reward, and then the player plummets in prices up, and then they go at you and say, but you told me to buy such and such. Right. So, yeah, you're right. You see the issue. I see the issue. And when you see it, it looks just a little bit weird. But I get why they're doing it. Liquidity, bleh, bleh. I'm not going to There's bother. plenty of liquidity in, in limited football cards, for sure. Yeah. Uh, way more than in, there will be in baseball over the next four or five months. Yeah. So, Sorare Israel, great guest. What do you think Sorare's next steps in baseball should be? And so we've kind of talked about all this, but I mean, I'll say like if there's one thing they need to fix, what is it? Is it the offers? Yeah, I mean, I've, ne- very next step should be everything that I've already said on this podcast and on Sorare in the States this week. But <laughs> here's what I'll say. The, the thing that they should be thinking of on the three, four-month horizon is adding utility during the offseason. The offseason's coming up on us very quick. In October, they go to playoffs, and there's only about 12 of the teams still playing active games. So that's going to kill a lot of utility on cards. And then when they go, to, they don't start playing again until next end of next March, mid-April, even into May. They don't really get going until. So in that dead zone, Sora needs to come up with some type of replays game or something like that, like they did for football during COVID, something to to keep interest and some form of utility in the market during the offseason. That's what they should be primarily focused on. Mm. I like it. The next question is from Sora MLB Magnum. Do you prioritize starting pitchers or hitters in the flex position? And I know this is over a lot of people's heads. It's over my head. Talk to me like I'm a three-year-old who's never played baseball. Okay, so think of it as if you had a flex position in football where you could put either a goalkeeper or a striker. Okay. So your goalkeeper is your pitcher. It's a it's an imperfect analogy, but in this case, it kind of applies. Like their their upside is kind of capped, but they have a higher floor. Mm. Although they can still go they can still go down if they have a really bad game. But a, you know, a pitcher is going to have a higher floor. A, a good pitching game from my, from what I look on the baseball matrix is about twenty five points. And uh, you know, I actually had my starting pitcher this week had a one of his worst games ever, and he had zero points. So that was a, oh, a big wow. kick in the bollocks. But. Uh, <sighs> Most pitchers are going to have a starting pitcher that starts a game and has an average game is going to get you between 15, 22 points, let's say. Mm. And it's if they have a great game, it's going to be capped at around 40 because pitchers only stay in the game for so long. They get The way they get stats, there's only a certain amount of times they can do those things, et cetera. So they can only do so much. Whereas a hitter, a hitter might get you a zero. A hitter might go up for an entire game week, play three games of baseball, have zero hits, have three strikeouts and get you a negative score on the game week. And that would suck, obviously. Mm. But a hitter also has almost unlimited upside in terms of you've seen this guy, Aaron Judge, who's like the big stud for the Yankees. He happened to like get nuclear hot in his game right at the time. So where MLB launched. So I know a lot of people that aren't are new to baseball are thinking like this guy, Judge, is like the freaking, you know, Mbappe, Messe and yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold all wrapped into one. I mean, he's amazing. He's putting up like 60-point game weeks so far every every of the first four game weeks that they've run. So, yeah, but you see, like that's the upside. A good hitter can get you easily over, you know, over 40 points in a game week, whereas a pitcher is going to get – going to have to work their ass off just to get to 40 is about as high as they can go. So long answer to a question, which is because there's no ETH threshold, because there's no real – 
if you're just shooting for a tier three prize, you know, you just want to make sure you get in the prize pool, put a pitcher there. But if you want to shoot for the podium, if you want to win, always, always put a hit, uh, a hitter in the flex for me. Okay. I like it because I, I have like the two pitchers. I have Kershaw and Alcantara Sandy. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also have a relief pitcher. So I end up going for one of them is normally the flex because I just bought the seven cards. But maybe mm-hmm. I need to pick up Judge and ping him into the flex. And Yeah, right. yeah. And the thing is, you'll you'll find this out, but like starting pitcher is not going to go in every game week because they only throw every five or six days. Yeah. They rest their arms. Oh, so there's so, a chance one of mine's going to be rotated. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 a set rotation. Like each team will have their uh, – their set rotation. You know, if a guy pitches Monday, then he's going to pitch again on Saturday. You know that type of oh. thing. Like, it, unless he gets injured, but it doesn't always match. If a guy, if your guy throws on a on a Wednesday, the last week of the the, or let's say he throws on a Wednesday, the second to last day of a Monday through Thursday game week, probably not going to be available until the next Monday. So you'll miss oh. him for the weekend game week. So that's why it is good to carry a few extra pitchers in your in your gallery and your collection. You know, for. Ver- so you can play the matchups and you can always make sure you have a, a guy who's actually starting. Mm. But uh, when it comes to putting in the flex, you're going to want a, a big upside hitter, in my opinion. So with another question from Orange Fly, and Orange Fly asks, when will we get com- – this is Bob Flynn, by the way, who unfortunately can't my, make my guy. Up. He hurt his back, I think. When will we get combined baseball, soccer, special weeklies where we can win Mbappe rares with baseball cards? If they build it, people will come and enter. Hashtag for the crown. And I think it's like – this is something that I've been saying for, like, honestly, since the inception of this podcast. I can't wait for that day because of another sport coming this year. And we're going to have three sports by the end of 2022. And – having mixed weeklies like a threekly where you pick one from each sport could be just so much fun mm-hmm. how fun is that amazing that would so be as I fun as it gets i don't think it'll like and that that's something i feel like maybe in dfs whatever maybe that's done i don't have a clue but it seems relatively unprecedented or done at like a, a good in a good way I, I don't know it's not something i've ever played i'll put it that way yeah, I used never- to do like a dynasty cross sport league with some friends from college where you had guys in multiple sports and you could trade across sports and we just kept it running all throughout the calendar year, basically. And it was fun. It was a lot of work because so much of it we had to do manually. There was no like automated way to do it. If that would have been a little easier on the technical side of it, it would have probably been even more engaging. So if Sora can figure out the way to do, like you said, a, a three clee with three different sports or, you know, two baseball players and a, and a football player or the, or vice versa. That'd be awesome. I think the answer to Bob's question is hopefully as soon as possible. Cause it, it, there's, there's literally zero downside to those type of competitions. Yeah. I, I think it'd be really fun. And even it might add a bit of baseball liquidity. Not that maybe that's, mm-hmm. it's so funny because we're all very territorial. We look at our football product and be like, it's not our responsibility to, but I mean, if you could win an Mbappe, if you could win Hallens, if you could win whatever's, and the baseball cards are decent value. You might go over and go, okay, let me pick one of these up, see what happens, um, and, and stick them into the weekly. Right. So, well, that's how you. Get, that's how. That's why, like, winning a few cards from the same Belgian team got me into following, you know, the Belgian league closer than I had been before. It's like you're you're dead on when you say like it's almost like the the gateway drug, right? You just win a couple and then you want more. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it too. So, Daniel, is there much else with the 137 game to do? But we've been through the things that have kind of happened. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? I've got four ETH to spend, and I'm kind of torn on buying a, uh, on buying a, a Jada. 
at, at Celtic. I, I need a I need a forward, and I can't quite stretch to Mbappe. So I'm tempted. This a four eighth burning a hole in my pocket. I'm traditionally not very good at holding eighth, but yeah, that's um, that's a big sum for sure. It's a lot. It's and it's all based off the back of a Sandro Tonali seal that kind of came out of nowhere. Congratulations. Um, but oh, sorry, I'm just looking through as well. I'm kind of just before we wrap up a few things. I see Bernd Leno has got the move to Fulham. Hey, so good for him. Great yeah. gunner, Bernd Leno. <laughs> not, not, yeah. not not really. <laughs> not really, kind of. So he he's off to Fulham. He'll get game time. That's always great to see. Um, has there been any big moves that have really helped your gallery? This this transfer window. Not really, not really. I'm I'm a little light on European cards. I, I I went pretty hard. I actually made a big deposit at the start of the summer to buy myself into Division Two in America. Basically, I bought a couple of America Uniques and some top tier super rares. So that's kind of where I've been most of my focus. And I think I'm a I've been a little late on the European side. I uh, I'm sticking with a lot of the guys I had last year so far and hoping that I can. You know, once the initial early season hype dies down, hoping my America guys mm-hmm. can carry me through September and then maybe the European prices tick down just a hair as, as you know, for non World Cup guys, I'm kind of hoping, I guess. And uh, and we'll see. I guess the the one transfer that did help me was uh, the Josh Cullen going from uh, Jupiler over to the English Championship opened up a spot for Adrian Treble to come in. That's probably been the best example of something that's really helped me with the transfer. He uh He's crushing it for through two games for Anderlecht in in the uh, in the AA points, so uh, that's nice. But now now I'm starting to wonder if I need to flip this guy, so because he's a little yeah, old. that's we'll see. the eternal struggle. If now is not the time to sell, when is? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but man, Joda, Joda, Joda. I I think I might be checking by the time this podcast publishes, you might have Joda in your gallery. I'm I, when I'm looking at the the rankings and you know where he stacks up against oh. everybody else. It, it's not bad. It's either that or I go and I play the longer game and I just buy like six guys, seven guys, eight guys who are all mm-hmm. like, you know, much cheaper and hope one of them works out longer term. Because I've done this recently where I buy big guys and he's pretty nailed. But I mean, what's not to say he pisses off in January to a championship club or like the lower Premier League? You know, that type of stuff happens. So mm-hmm. there's a risk when you buy the, the best. But equally, I'm kind of lacking a rare forward um, at under 23. Um Gonzalo Ramos scored a hat-trick last night, which has kind Ooh. of helped me out big time. He's a reward I got and kind of just held on to. But, um, yeah, a few things haven't gone my way. A couple of things kind of have. We'll see what happens. But um, tripping, it's time to do the 137 game. So, again, wahaha, we've had mm-hmm. three weeks in a row where people haven't scored. Um, last week... It wasn't Nicholas. He didn't do it. Probably should have got him to. HG the week before got a DMP and a 78 for like a big wah, wah, wah. He got nothing. <laughs> so Charity still sat in 209 quid. I think once it hits 250, I'll make a donation. Let's see Love if it. you can get us there. So you're allowed to pick baseball. You're allowed to pick football. You're allowed to pick as many players as you want. 137, yeah. the, the target. Let's go. Let's go hybrid for sure. Let's go hybrid. Uh, I mentioned I love I love hybrid things in general, and uh, this seems like the time to do it. So I'm going to stick with I'm going to go hybrid, but I'm also going to stick with you know things that are true to me and my soul. As you know, as you saw, I'm I'm the world's biggest Charlotte FC fan. I represent on the, at home and on the road. I I went into the belly of the beast in Orlando and 
<laughs> you know, wore my wore my Charlotte gear in the club section. I had all the Orlando fans yelling at me, telling me to sit down. When I was trying to stand up and watch the match, they told me to sit down. That did you know, happen. Blah, blah, there was blah, someone blah, not blah, happy yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, they were not happy. I think I think thanks to you, I was able to make friends with those people by the end of the game because they loved you, but I, they did not love me at, at the beginning. Yeah, so. that's the lady who was rubbing my belly when I was drinking the cans. <laughs> if anyone watches the. <laughs> The video, but um, okay. Yeah, so, she did hate um, me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go Charlotte themed on my 137. So and uh, as of uh, so this will be for the weekend though, right? Because Charlotte actually as yeah. of this recording, we're, we're we got a midweek uh, match tonight, but I'm gonna go for the weekend. We're playing at home against Chicago Fire, who are horrible. They you know so we should be able to score pretty well against them. I'm gonna go with my guy. The first card in my Charlotte FC collection, if you heard me do that, uh, so ran Andrew's podcast a couple weeks ago, mm. Brant Bronico. That's B-R-A-N-D-T. Brant Bronico goes by the handle of Bronny Bro, and he's the ultimate bro. He's just a really cool guy. He's awesome. He's our central defensive midfield. He's the he's the one of the few undroppables in the squad. And I, I think he's good. He's always good for 45 to 50 points. He, he doesn't quite have the upside. So I'm going to say Bronico's my my rock in my 137. I then like I'm going to go over to the baseball side, mm-hmm. and I'm going to bring in my – this was the guy that I chose as my common card when I started the baseball collection. They gave you a, a, a point, and I love this guy. He doesn't play – my favorite team is the Texas Rangers. This guy plays for the Atlanta Braves, but he's just a young, dynamic player. His name is Dansby Swanson, D-N-S, D-A-N-S-B-Y. I followed this guy in college. I covered him um, at my job when he was a college player. Now he's in the pros and uh, he's just a cool dude. I like the name. Uh, Lieutenant Dans is his nickname. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we'll go with Dansby. I think Dansby probably going to get me about 20 points. So I'm, I'm sitting at 70. I need a 137. I wanted a, I want a decisive. I need a decisive. I need a goal. I need a goal. I'm going to go with it. The man, the designated player, the highest paid player on Charlotte FC, Karol Swiderski, the you know the Polish rifle, uh, the man who is currently somewhere between four or five slot, slots behind Lewandowski <laughs> on the Polish depth <laughs> chart for the World Cup, you know, uh, give or take. And uh, but no, Carroll can find a goal against Chicago. He doesn't do a ton else AA wise, so I think he's going to be at me right in that range. So Bronico and Swiderski from Charlotte. Dansby Swanson from the Atlanta Braves. We got a hybrid 137 and Charity, watch out. You're in trouble. I hope you're wrong. I hope Charity gets nothing. I hate Charity when I'm the one donating. (laughs) But that's interesting. We have a hybrid. We have a threesome. Lots going on here. I love it. So, Trippin, do you want to plug everything? So, people can find you on socials. It's Trippin B, uh, the So Rare in the States podcast with Nashi and Chris, aka MLS card guy, who I'm going to see this weekend, actually today, if you're listening on Friday. Um, anything else? No, you, you nailed it. Uh, I, I, I would plug, I do a, uh, a podcast just about Charlotte FC called The Charlotte Soccer Show. You can follow that at For The Crown Baby. That's kind of our sign-off uh, call sign, For The Crown Baby. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you care about just following the best team, in M- the coolest team in MLS, not the best in the table, but... Uh, and hearing a lot of jokes and, and we talk a lot of beer. We just drink beer and talk football, basically, uh, from the American perspective on that show. A lot of fun. Not a lot of So Rare content, but it's uh, a lot of fun. And hopefully I, I've convinced a few of my So Rare friends to become listeners. So, hey, maybe I can get a few more. So we'll sign out with it for the crime, baby. For the crown, baby. <laughs>
hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so, so much for watching or listening wherever you are. Absolute pleasure having Trip and Beyond. Make sure you go and find him on Twitter and you can find me at John Nellis underscore. See you next week. Bye bye.